Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Today we're talking about community. And this is in response to what I fully believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to, to us in our church right now. I actually had a, another sermon planned and, and prepped for today. We actually plan our sermon series like a year ahead of time, right? And so we know what we're preaching, you know, until the end of the year. But on July 21st, Pastor Jimmy from the Nichols campus came down and taught a, a, a sermon on uh, truth and community. And it was really powerful. Jimmy's a fantastic communicator. It was really well thought out. It was a great message. But not only that, I, I sensed the, the Holy Spirit uh, upon this, just inviting us to, to run after this idea of community. And in, in one sense, and in a very valid, real sense, this church is great at community. We're just fantastic. If you come to church on Sunday morning and you see you know, the, 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 the people that, that hang out in, in the family room and how long people hang out in the family room, right? community is something that we value and that we run after. But the, the truth is that while that is really great and we love that, right, and we're very excited to, to welcome people in, you can only go to a certain depth of intimacy and getting to know people on a, a Sunday morning. You know, if you're sitting around uh, one of the tables and you're having a donut and some of our coffee, uh, and you sit there and you say, man, you know what, I just my father wound just sprung up this week. And when my dad left, I just felt rejected and abandoned. I feel like God has abandoned me too. What am I going to do? Like, that's important. We want people to share that, but maybe there's a correct context where we can really speak into that. And maybe coffee and donuts with new acquaintances isn't the place for that, right? But we want to run after that. We want to run after community, and so we need to create a context, and we need to run after this idea of how do we do this well. And so today is, I tossed out my other sermon, and next week I tossed out that sermon too, and we're going to be talking about community, all right? We're going to run after this and, and look at what Jesus says and what the Bible says about community. Uh, we saw in, in the in the biblical narrative, right, we see Jesus has three different groups of people that he hangs out with, right? There's the big groups, and some people say that was 120. We see 120 people gathered on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem waiting uh, for the return of the Lord. And so that was a, a larger group, but he also had uh, a, a smaller group, the, the 12 disciples or the apostles that he called out, that he walked down the road with daily, right? That he did life with, that he ate with and slept with, right? The, he was very close to these 12 guys. But we also see in the story of Jesus that he pulled aside three other guys, James, John, and Peter, who were at this somehow more intimate or, or confidant level. Right? And as a church, we want to run after all three of those things. The, the, the gathering, the large group gathering that we have on Sunday mornings is fantastic. It's an awesome opportunity for us to 
come together to, to refocus our uh, attention on Jesus after the busyness or the hecticness of our week. It's a great time to come together and worship Jesus as a community. Right? But as I said, you can only go so deep. And so we want to have smaller groups. And we've done this in the, the past before. And if you remember 2018, we did two six-week small groups that were very, very uh, uh, well-liked and very well-attended. And, and I'm going to talk more about that later. But we're going to be moving towards that. Right? But I want to give us a foundation for why it's so important and why I think God is calling us to that in this time. Dale, Dale Stoll, who's not with us this morning, he's preaching at another church, he wrote a, a little book called Integrated Lives. And in that book, in the, the introduction, I don't know if it was an introduction, but anyway, he quotes Henry Cloud and John Townsend. They wrote a, a book called How People Grow, What the Bible Reveals About Personal Growth. And this is an amazing quote from these two scholars. And they say, biblical growth is designed to include other people as God's instruments. Like, we, I could just stop there, right? That is incredible. God, biblical growth is designed to include other people as God's instruments, right? So often I think, and I have thought this, and I think many of us have felt this, we, we feel like real biblical growth or spiritual formation happens in the prayer closet, right? When I'm quiet and, and alone before God, reading his word and praying, listening to his voice, that that is where true transformation happens. And that is vitally important. We absolutely need that. But it's when we take that and combine it with the power of community, that is where we see flourishing and growth in our emotional lives, in our spiritual lives, and as we will see, in our physical lives. That was just one sentence. To be truly biblical as well as truly effective, the growth process must include the body of Christ. People's most basic need in life is relationship. People connected to other people thrive and grow. And those not connected wither and die. It is a medical fact, for example, that from infancy to old age, health depends on the amount of social connection people have. Infants and older people die from a lack of relationship, and those in the middle suffer and fail to recover from illness. That is a bold statement. I remember when I was in elementary school, I, I read this short story called Cypher in the Snow. I don't, does anybody else read Cypher in the Snow? So sad. It was this little lonely kid that died in the snow because he was lonely. He didn't have inter social interaction, right? And it was this invitation to be nice, probably not bully, to be nice to people. Right? But there's this reality that, uh, that we uh, find life and flourishing when we are connected with other real people. Right? We are the most connected people uh, in, the, in history, right? Jimmy talked about this on the, the 21st. We're the most connected and, in a sense, digitally socializing people ever. And yet, we're the loneliest people that have ever existed. We're the unhealthiest people that have ever walked the face of the earth. And that's not everybody, right? But this is just a generalization. Because we feel like we're connected in some way, but there's not the, the real connection that we were created for and that we long for. 
And so because this is a spiritual and a physical reality, we want to run after this idea of community. But community is not going to happen without intentionality and a context within which to make that happen. And so by intentionality, right, I just mean that it is something that we value. That means that we schedule it, that we prioritize it. We press through the, the discomfort that true relationship brings. Right? And Jimmy did a great job talking about this, right? that there, we have this kind of fantasy idea of, of what community is going to look like and everybody's going to get along and we're going to hold hands and run in a circle and sing kumbaya, right? But then we find out that people show up to these communities and people bring stuff with them, right? And people are kind of messed up. Right? And we're growing. As Christ followers, we're, we're growing. We're new creations, right? Uh, and, but yet there's still this kind of clawing of our old nature that kind of comes up in our selfishness and our pride and our grossness. And we sometimes don't get along that well. Maybe you guys have never encountered that, but it's, I've seen it once. And so... Uh, and so we want to intentionally run after this to overcome the, the hurdles that exist to, to pressing into intimacy. And then we want to create a context for which this can happen, right? If we don't have a place or a setting where we can go and experience community, right, and we just kind of keep waiting for it, it's not going to happen. So we as a church are looking at how do we create opportunities for people to, to go into deeper relationships, and how do we uh, encourage you guys to, to find, you know, two or three others, one, two or three, you know, people that really know you, that you can really be honest with, right? Because it's in that sharing of our hearts and the sharing of our feelings and the sharing of what's really going on, that is where we find life. And as many of you guys know, I'm uh, finishing my last year of seminary. And so in seminary, we talk a lot about pastoral burnout and, and ministry failure. And so this is what I've, what I've studied specifically is talking about uh, pastors and full-time ministers, but it's applicable to all of us, right? There's this reality in, in ministry that we often, as, as leaders of churches, don't have people that we can talk to, right? That we can be truly honest with, right? Because there's this fear inside of us, right? It's like, oh man, if Dave knew what was really going on in my heart and in my mind, he would be out of here, right? Like, I'm going to lose my place. I'm going to lose my positional authority, whatever it is, right? And so I can't, I got to put on the mask and I got to look good, right? And because pastors and ministry leaders put on this facade of like, everything's fine, We're, I'm cool, I'm doing great. You know, like, inside is this kind of poison that breaks you down, and we see the result of that all can, can often be ministry failure, ministry burnout, pastors and leaders leaving the church because they don't know what to do anymore. And we don't want that, right? We don't want that for me. We definitely don't want that for me. <laughs> I'm fine, I'm great. Just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so it's been very, very important that, you've, that I find other people that I can connect with, that I can be very, very honest with. And I, and I have those people in my life, fear not. Uh, but for you guys as well, for every person on the face of the planet, we were created for this connection. So you need somebody that knows you, right? And that you can know fully. Jimmy, in his sermon on the 21st, said that 
25% of Americans don't have one person that they can be truly honest with, that they can share their deepest feelings with. Right? And that should not be the case in the church. Right? This is a place where you belong, where you're not just welcomed, but we want you to be here. Right? You're not just welcome to, yeah, come and enjoy if you like it, that's great. If not, you can, you can take off, whatever. Right? No, but we want you here. We want what you bring to the table. We want to be in community with you because you are valuable. Right? You are an image bearer of the king of kings. And we see this idea of community and this idea of being image bearers from the very, very beginning of Scripture. If you go back to the, the creation stories in Genesis 1 and 2, uh, and then moving into the fall in Genesis 3, right, we see God creating this beautiful world. Everything that we see, everything that exists was created by God. And then he says, right, let us make mankind in our image. Let us make mankind in our image. And trust me, scholars love to debate and argue about what that could mean. Who's the us? Is it this, is it this reference to the Trinity? Is it some divine or angelic council of beings? What could this be? But I think at least in part what is hinted at in the, the Old Testament, which is this this uh, triune reality of God, it, the New Testament makes abundantly clear, right? There is God eternally, three persons in, in one essence. We see in Genesis 1 and 2, and we see in the, the Gospel of John and other, other places, that it wasn't just the Father at creation, it was Jesus, and it was the Holy Spirit hovering above the, the chaos waters, right? And so God says, let us make man in our image. Part of that image is this eternal community that exists between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This eternal union of giving love and receiving love. Right? And so we too, at least one aspect of our being created in, in God's image, I think there are multiple applications here, but at least one vitally important aspect of our image bearing is that we were created for loving community. Right? We were created to live within thriving community. And we're just going to thrive in the context that we were created for. Right? If you take a, a fish and throw him up on, on the land, he's not going to survive very long, right? He's out of context. He's out of what he was created for, and he's going to die. Right? And in the same way, if we remove ourselves from community, or even if we think that we're entering into this community, and it's actually a faux community, not actually meeting any of our emotional, spiritual needs, right? we might not die as quick as that fish dies, but it's going to happen. Right? We are going to be broken and out of place. And that's not what Jesus wants for us, right? John 10.10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life to the full. Right? That's the goal, fullness of life, and that's found in community. Right? And so not only were we created in, to be placed inside of community, right? we, both, uh, or we best represent God when we are living in community. Right? We reveal the, the heart of God. We re reveal this, 
the beauty of the, the community of God that Jesus came to create as we live healthily in relationship with one another. Right? We glorify God. We bear witness of him. People from the outside look in and see, man, you guys have something that, that we're missing. You guys have something that, that we long for. What is it? It's like, oh, we actually love each other. We live in healthy community with other people and with God and with creation. Right? And that is going to, as John says, it's going to draw people towards Jesus. I got a little bit off track there. I'm back. So we're created in, uh, we're created in community. We're created as image bearers. Um, and to think that, uh, like I I'd mentioned, we sometimes think of spiritual growth or spiritual formation or emotional health found in that secret place with just us and God, right? That's where it all happens. But as we look at the creation story, I think this is amazing. It's, it's bonkers to me as I just kind of sit and ponder it. God is there. He's speaking all things into creation, right? The, the sky and the water and the land and the animals and the fish and the birds, all this stuff. And he finally makes man. And I think that we can read into the story that he's having a good time. He's hanging out with, with, with Adam. Maybe they're walking around in the garden together. They're naming the animals, right? And, but, and, and, but God looks down at Adam in, in, there's no sin. This is pre-fall. Adam and God, in perfect, relator, super healthy relationship with one another, God looks down at Adam and is like, man, it's not good for him to be alone. Really? He's got you. Right? And I feel like, man, if I just had perfect relationship with God, that would probably be enough. No offense, honey. You know? Like, that would be, that would be, that would be great. But God says, no, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. He makes a helper suitable for Adam. And we do a, a disservice if we think that, the only, that this is just speaking of, of, uh, of marriage. It is, it is absolutely speaking of marriage, and, and our spouse relationships are absolutely beautiful represent, representations of this community. But this isn't, but God, I don't think, is just saying, oh, they need to be married, right? We see, in, Paul says, you know, he celebrates people that aren't married. Paul wasn't married, Jesus wasn't married. It's a valid way to go, and you can still have beautiful, healthy, fulfilled life and fulfilled relationship with God even if you're not married. So that's not what this is about. That's an aside. <laughs> um, but it's about that we need people in our lives. Right? We need people that are walking with us, that have experienced the same things that we've experienced, that we can share our burdens and our troubles with. Right? Intimacy happens in community, and that is what God wants for us. Right? And so we should run after it. But then in the fall, we see that the, the community is broken. Right? Adam and Eve eat of the, the forbidden fruit, and all of a sudden, this beautiful relationship they have with God, walking in the cool of the garden, you know, uh, cultivating the, the, the garden and the world, they were called to be co-rulers of the whole earth, right? Rule and subdue the earth. We have this beautiful calling from God, and they eat of this uh, forbidden fruit, and all of a sudden, sin enters, and they are broken in their relationship with, between them and God. 
They're hiding. They feel shame. But they're also separated from one another. We see God come down saying, what is this? What is going on? What has happened here? And the man's like, it is the woman that you gave me. Right? Like it's her fault. She did it. And so there's this corruption of the relationship. Just a couple chapters later, a couple verses later, we see the, the first sons, Cain and Abel, bringing their offering before the Lord. And uh, Abel's offering was accepted and, and Cain's wasn't accepted. And we don't exactly know what that means. I have some ideas. We could talk about that later. Uh, So what does that mean? But Cain was filled with anger and jealousy and hatred. And all of a sudden we have the first murder, right? And Cain kills his brother. The fall comes and destroys community. What God had created us for, where God had placed us for Flourishing lives has been broken. But Jesus came to to bring a restoration to this community, this this God-formed community. And my favorite place to look at this is in Colossians chapter 3. So if you have, I'm not, I I didn't put it on the slideshow. So if you want to turn to Colossians, you're more than welcome to. Colossians chapter 3. There it is. And Paul says this to this new community, this new Jesus community that has been formed in the city of Colossae. These are believers. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Right now you are in the new community. Now you are a believer. Right now you have been invited in. You have been given the Holy Spirit. You have been adopted. It's in our hearts we cry out, Abba, Father. This is our new reality. And you've been placed in this new community in Colossae. And as we'll see, there's a variety of people, a variety of political opinions, a variety of cultures, all kind of getting smashed together here in Colossae. And and Paul says, set your mind on things above, since you're Christians now, since you're in the new community. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Right? You died to that old way of life. You died to that old broken community that is that we see in Cain, right? There's jealousy and anger and hatred and brokenness. And he says, stop looking at that. Stop looking at things that bring death. And he says this, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to the earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge of, in the image of its creator. Right. We've been invited into a new community and when we do that, we take off our old clothes. We take off our old junk. And all that stuff that Paul lists are the, is the broken things that we see in community. Right? These things don't... If you were stranded and alone 
on a desert island, these things are much less likely to happen. You would be much more righteous <laughs> if you were out of community. Okay. Never mind. Okay. Um, right? Because sexual immorality, right, while it can happen in, inside our minds, right, often does, right, but it can happen physically within community, you know, and it's broken. Right? And we see impurity and lust and evil desires and greed. These are characteristics of the old broken community that was wiped away, was cleaned away because of Jesus' death and his resurrection. And we've been brought into this new, beautiful place. And this is what the new community is supposed to look like. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. And all of these new characteristics are also done in community. Right? We pray, God, fill me with your, you know, you know, the, the fruit of the Spirit. Give me love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? And we pray that in the, in the quiet of our, of our, our prayer closet. Uh, help me to love. Help me to feel love. And then we think that oh, it's just this weird attribute that fills us up, right? And it, in a sense it is, but it finds its expression. It is born out in our community relationships, right? It's in our talking to one another, right, that we are able to give compassion, to give kindness, to, to act humbly, right, to prefer others before ourselves, to be gentle and to be patient. You don't have to be patient when you're alone. So the expectation of Paul in Colossians and throughout the, the New Testament letters is that we are going to be living in community. We're going to be living in community, and that community is not going to be easy. That community is not going to be easy. Because Paul's other commands here in verse 13 is to bear with each other and to forgive one another. And I never, when I'm hanging out with my friends and when, when Amber and I are doing well, which is all the time, uh, I never feel like, oh, I've got to bear with Amber. Like, we went to Detroit a few weeks ago to take in a, a Tigers game and just to hang out for the weekend, and there was no part of me that was like, oh, I've got gotta to bear, bear with Amber and just press through this weekend, right? It was my joy. It was my uh, pleasure, right, to, to be with Amber, right? But the reality is that Paul's saying, in your community... In these God-formed communities, because they're full of Gentiles, Jews, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarians, Scythians, slaves, free, right? all these different kinds of people, you're going to come into conflict. You're going to disagree. But it doesn't mean you get to create different camps. You don't get to do that. There's not, there's not the, 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 the right-wing camp of Christians and the left-wing camp of Christians, right? There's, there's not the, 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 the Mexican Christians and the American Christians. There's not the, the Jewish Christians and the Palestinian Christians, right? We're all one. We're all united in Christ. And yes, we've got stuff that we need to work through and, and deal with, but that's part of the bearing with. That's part of the forgiving. 
That's part of the walking this out. And yeah, we have some different political opinions, but that doesn't mean I'm the enemy or you're the enemy. Right? We are in Christ and we are put here together. Right? And as we learn how to, to love one another, then we bear beautiful witness of God in our lives. I think that Jimmy talked about this on the, the 21st as well, that, that, this, that this new Christian community that we are called into is a practice ground, right? To, to learn how to love the, the world around us, right? Because if we can't love each other who have the most important core thing in our hearts holding us together. We are believers in Jesus. We are set free from sin and death. And we are part of this new God-formed community. And we have an eternal hope that we are going to go to heaven when we die. If we can't get along, right, how are we going to get along with people in the world that have radically different worldviews than us? Right? That hate us. That are actively in a, opposed and against us. Right? And so this Christian community, in one sense, is a training ground. It's a, it's a practice ground for us to learn how to be little Christs in our world. Okay, that's page one of four. How am I doing? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I got a whole other week I can talk about this. Right? Um, and so we're going to run after, we're running after community. Amber and I are reading this book with Pastor Jimmy and his wife Chloe from Nichols. And it's called uh, The Emotionally Healthy Leader. And, they're, and one of the things they're talking about is pursuing rest, pursuing Sabbath. And he gives this great chart uh, about, and this is not just about rest and Sabbath. This is about how we engage with new ideas say, community. Um, and the, the first stage is that we become aware of this thing. Uh, I've, you know, I was, I guess, as a Christ follower, you know, I've been following Jesus, really, for 25 years. I'd read about Sabbath and rest, and I, I knew that it was there. I had an awareness that Sabbath existed. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't think anything of it. You know, recently, um, because of some things the Lord has been speaking to me and some of the things that I've been talking to others about, I began pondering Sabbath. Okay, what is this? What does this mean? Right? How do I run after this? And is this something that God actually cares about? Man, he talks about it constantly in the Old Testament, and we see Jesus talk about it. He apparently does care about it. And so if God cares about it, if God values it, then I'm going to value it. And so now I can strongly say that I am in the, the valuing space of, of Sabbath. And maybe I've even crossed this gap, right? But I value Sabbath. And there was a time where I valued it, but I wasn't doing it. I was like, yeah, that's really good. But I didn't know how to put it into action, right? I was stuck in the action-behavioral gap. The action-behavioral gap. Isn't that fun? Right? And so it's this, this thing, and you guys, I don't know if you guys have ever encountered this. There's something that you value, but you haven't quite figured out how to get it into your life. Right? Um, I, you know, for me, one thing, you know, it's been Sabbath. Another thing is like eating well. I've learned to value that and to think, yeah, that's really good. And it seems to be that, that people that are healthy eat good. Hmm. But I haven't, like, super put that into action, right? I'm still really into quarter pounders. They're so good, right? 
but I'm learning. We're walking this out. We're learning how to reprioritize this. And so with Sabbath, Amber and I have been working hard to prioritize it. To get, it's hard. This action behavioral gap, it's hard. There's obstacles to it. It's not easy, but we are doing it, right? And we're moving towards owning it. Does that make sense, Amber? Am I saying things right? All right, and so as we as a community look at community, right, we're aware of it. Now we're kind of starting to ponder it. And hopefully over, you know, between Jimmy's sermon and today and some of the other thing, conversations that I've had with many of you, we're beginning to, to value it more. And New Day Vandalia does value this, right? But it, it, it's hard. There's this action behavioral gap. There's obstacles in our way, right? There's like, because to be in community, it takes sacrifice, Right? And, you know, there's how many, you know, Tuesday nights do you, do you get home, it's been a busy week, you've been running around, and you're like, oh man, I, I'm really excited about leaving again to, to get all the kids or whatever in a car and drive to the other side of town to engage in community, right? And how often you're just like, I just want to stay home and watch The Bachelor. Like, you know, not that, don't do that. <laughs> don't... <laughs> you know, I just want to stay home, I don't want to go out again, right? And so there's a cost to it, right? And, and so I felt this. Every small group that I've, almost every small group that I've been a part of, there's that, that it's like a half hour before it, and there's that thing in my heart. It's like, man, I don't know if I want to do this. I'm busy. This has been a busy week. But when I go, when I get over the hurdles, when I get to know people, and I allow myself to be known by other people, man, we walk away so full, right? And Amber and I have had this so many times in our time here and in small groups that we've had at Nichols, just like, okay, let's, that's a good thing to do, let's go. And we walk away going, that is the best thing we've done all week because it feeds us. And there's this weird lie inside of us that says uh, that it's not going to. So we have to get over that action behavioral gap and we need to learn to prioritize it. Okay, I'm going to stop there. we got more good stuff on the way, friends. Uh, but the way that we're going to answer this here at New Day Community Church is that we're going to be restructuring how we are doing small groups. We're actually going back to what we did in 2018 with the, the um, uh, Journey to Easter small group and then the Parables of Jesus small group. And so we had three groups. They met in people's homes. Um, there was a host, and then somebody led, and it was based on the sermon series. And we just talked about the sermon series, but more than that, we just sat in a living room, drank coffee, hot chocolate, whatever. We got to know one another. We shared kind of what was going on in our lives. We prayed for one another, and just community was deepened. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to be kicking that off the, the second week of September. We're going to do a six-week. Uh, this is already on the schedule, so it just works out. Maybe it's Holy Spirit. Uh, we're going to do a six-week um, series on uh, the teachings of Jesus in the, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount called You Have Heard It Said. Uh, and so we're going to take that, and each of those six weeks, we're going to invite people to partake in one of the uh, small groups that's happening midweek here in our community so that you can feel, uh, so you can just run after this, so that you can find a place where you belong, right? And we're not just welcoming you. 
we are absolutely doing that, but we're just, we want you to be part of this community. We want to see you grow and, and to flourish as we run after Jesus together. Cool? So we'll talk more about this next week. Uh, but with that, if you want to just stand with me, I'm just going to close in prayer. Father God, we love you. And Lord, we thank you for community. Lord, that you have created a, a place, a, a context for us to, to flourish physically and spiritually and emotionally. And Lord, we confess right now, God, that there's parts of community that, that scare us, that feel challenging, that make us want to run the other way. And Lord, we just repent. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the endurance, that you would give us the strength, that you would give us the, just the, 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 the passion to, to run after this thing that is so valuable to you. And Lord, I pray as a church that we would do this well. Lord, that we would invite people into our small groups, into our communities, into our lives. Lord, I pray that you would bring people together in groups of twos and threes, Lord, that they can truly have these confidant, camaraderie relationships where they can be fully known and they can fully know one another. Lord, we bless what you're doing and we say yes and we choose to run after you with all that you've given us. In your name we pray, amen.